Hey guys, this is Steve Baker, the pragmatic constitutionalist uh, here again with uh, Mr. Scott Law. I'm hanging out in Raleigh, North Carolina, and Scott's in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Hello, hello, hello. Yeah, man. Um, so uh, we woke up this morning and had a little chat via text and decided that we were going to do, um, you know, a podcast today and, and chat a little bit about what we were going to do. And then, you know, both discovered that we had a haircut appointment today. Now, the difference between mine and yours is that I'm not actually getting mine cut. I just, I'm just getting it, you know, out of um, zombie form and, you know, coiffed. shaped. Coiffed? Up. I mean, what, what, what was the proper term? Oh, I just I really, really, my hair's really thick. And so I just get it thinned out, but I'm still growing it. You know, I'm, I'm not giving up on the Bowie um, looks yet. So I'm still growing it. I, you know, I was, I was shaved at the beginning of, you know, when, when the COVID started and uh, I had a, I had roughly a, um, a 1999 Bowie or not, I'm sorry, 1989 Bowie style going at the time. But you're going, you're going full on Bowie now. Well, yeah, but I'm I'm not going to do Ziggy. Uh, I mean, Ziggy was, you know, back in 1973 with the, you know, the long, the red shag and, and even Bowie quit doing Ziggy. So if he gave it up, I'm, I'm not going there. Either, I don't know. So. I, I'd still like you to, you know, play dress up one day and just, uh, you know, uh, let's dance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can do that. I can do that look too. Uh, I'm just getting my hairs cut. And uh, unlike David Bowie, I, I don't have uh, a Ziggy look or anything like that. So. Well, I've got, I've got um, two more phases that I wanted, you know, when we, when we get back to work again and, and I was using this break, I thought it was going to be, you know, a few weeks. And um, so I just didn't care about cutting my hair. But then when I, I came to the realization, this was going to be several months, I started, okay, well, let's just let it grow. Mm. And because I had, I had a couple other styles to, um, that I wanted to at least get on film or video of me doing, you know, when I do the, the David Bowie tribute act, sure, sure. that I wanted to get in, into the, into the, the archive, you know, the video and, and photography archive. But w apart from wearing a wig, it was going to be really, really hard for me to get there. Well, now that, you know, lockdown has turned into forever. Um, I've got time to grow my hair. So I'm just letting it go. And I'll, you know, actually, so um, I think we're going to probably, you'll be able to throw these on there. I'm going to do this look right here okay. is where I'm headed to next. Nice. Okay. Nice. And then, and then once I get um, some more months, uh, uh, under my belt, then I'm going to do this look right here. Scary. So, yeah. So that look was like, uh, late, uh, 1990s. Okay. And, uh, to right up until about the year 2000. And then this look was, um, from, uh, Glastonbury in the year 2000. So yeah, so this look had to be about, yeah, 98, 99, something like that. Yeah. Me and, me and only me and my hairdresser know for sure. Good. Well, we've had, uh, since last we talked, we've had some changes. I, due to COVID, I'm no longer going to be able to travel to Iraq and Kurdistan. So, uh, which you're thrilled about because now you have no excuse to blame me on your inability to handle technology on your I, road yeah. trip. So I'm I'll not, be here. I'm not, I'm not thrilled, you know, be, because you don't get to do what you love doing and, and obviously uh, continuing your dad's work. But uh, obviously with the road trip coming up, I, I'm very happy that there's an upside for me. I'll just put it, I'll put it, <laughs> it is. Nice, like, 
put it, you know, um, and you know, selfishly I'm, I'm, I'm thankful, but having said that, what was the reason given for the cancel? I mean, who was it? State department, our side, state department tells you don't go nowhere near uh, Iraq, which is irrelevant to me. Um, the, uh, no, we, I, I contacted my guy on the ground and he had called a number of mayors to small villages that we were going to go work in. And the, uh, the outbreak in COVID actually was okay up north in the main city that we'd fly into. But in, in the villages further out, probably a half an hour outside, uh, there was a much higher infection rate. And the mayor rep, uh, recommended us to stay away. Ah. And, uh, my contact has diabetes as well. And so his concern um, was, was heightened. He was okay with us coming over there. We were going to stay in the main city, meet with uh, elected officials. It was going to be great. But then once we get out in the village, he has a higher susceptibility of catching something. And the mayor also recommended us not to come. So hopefully we can go in January. We'll see. We'll see. Mm. We shall see. So anyway, so we're here. We're here. And um, we're actually going to talk about the commie virus um, that uh, as coined mm-hmm. by you, Steve. And we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about one of the posts that you had a few hours ago um, today on um, the a comparison between Sweden and a couple of other Nordic countries, Norway and Finland, and how, how you compare the two of them. Um, since you were really championing the method of how Sweden was handling their response early on and, uh, and how now they've kind of slipped lately. Why don't you talk yeah. about that a little bit? Well, you know, we've had plenty of distractions other than COVID in recent weeks, you know, particularly with the election being probably the biggest, you know, other ongoing news story that we're still contending with. And, and certainly have not, I have not put in the time or the, or the, the output of my own, you know, brain cells towards looking at new data and new, you know, new studies and new math and that, but they're still going on, obviously. Just, you know, I've had other things to look at. And, and then in recent days, we've been planning the TPC road trip. And so I've, I've, I've had some uh, longer periods of time that I've stepped back away from the whole coronavirus uh, thing. And uh, on occasion, you know, my, my uh, faithful, uh, loyal readers and followers from the TBC page will send me links that, you know, have you seen this yet? Have you seen that yet? And I, and I get those all day long anyway, but, um, uh, somebody sent me this one and it caught my, you know, caught my eyes because it did have, uh, the Swedish connection to it and, and me being, you know, a Sweden fanboy anyway, mm-hmm. I, um, I started uh, looking over it and, you know, thankfully there's always people out there that are, that are uh, putting together the tracking the stats worldwide and putting together those, you know, beautiful graphs. And they have the time to do that. Yeah. They have the time, they have the, you know, grants and funding and all those kind of things um, to uh, spend that, that uh, detailed, you know, time pouring over that data. Uh, and w- while that fascinates, you know, the hell out of me, that's not something I have the time to do, but uh thankful when I run across articles like that and, and people that are covering and publishing the data from these, these organizations. And this particular uh, organization has been tracking specifically 
the um, severity of lockdowns in every country in the world. So, yeah. you know, except for North Korea, because, you know, they don't report anything. So, <laughs> but pretty much everywhere else. Um, it looks like the freest country, uh, looking at the, the maps that they've created, the freest country throughout as an average of the entire um, uh, pandemic uh, episode has been Japan. But right up there in the top tier of the, you know, the most, uh, or should I say the least severely locked down nations have been the Nordic countries. And um, although Norway and uh, Finland hit, hit it a little bit harder at the very beginning, mm -hmm. they backed off very quickly. They actually have a lower lockdown severity ratio. I forget what it was called in the article. I don't have it here in front yeah. of me, but they actually have a lower um, uh, average severity than even Sweden does. And consequently, because of their, their more, their, they pay better attention to their at-risk population than Sweden did at the very yeah. beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so their death rate per million as an average across the entire uh, episode is much lower than Sweden's. Although Sweden's is, you know, bottomed out and is, is flatlined while, um, uh, and now at pace with the other Nordic countries as well. Mm. And then, you know, and then you have, um, in addition to that, the, the report we made just last week about the, the big Danish study. Yeah, so the, of course. I, you know, these, 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 uh, these Scandinavians are all over this. Thing. <laughs> they seem to be doing it right. And they seem to be tracking it better, but you know, in none of these countries, is there a mask mandate? They're not, you know, they, they have, they have mask recommendations, but they don't have mandates and they don't have the, um, the holiday mask Gestapo now coming to your door to see if you're wearing a mask in your home for Thanksgiving meal. And which, as, as I wrote about this morning, uh, my uh, uh, esteemed uh, Corona Gruppenfuhrer Cooper, my governor here in North Carolina, has decided uh, by executive order uh, issued and printed yesterday, and although I'm not quoting it specifically, but I've read it and I can tell you exactly what it says. It basically says that if you are in the vicinity of anyone who is not a current member of your household, not sleeping, living in your abode, then you must have a mask on, even if somebody from outside of your household comes over at any time holiday, Thanksgiving, Christmas, or otherwise, if somebody else is in your house who does not sleep there and is not their home, then masks are required according to this executive order. Um, that extends to your automobile as well. So if you have somebody driving in your automobile who does not live in your home with you, masks are, are required. So you can just imagine this now. So, so there's still going to be a lot, a lot of holiday traffic. We know that we know that the, that, uh, people are still going to drive to, you know, over the river, through the woods, the grandmother's house they go or to, or whatever, yeah. and, and still going to happen, uh, may not be in the numbers that are traditionally, uh, the, you know, the largest travel days of the uh, year are, are associated with Thanksgiving, even bigger Correct. than Christmas. Yeah. So we know that we know that people are still going to travel. There's just literally millions of people on Twitter, Facebook, giving the big, you know, F you to their governor saying, no, we're getting together with our family. So we're seeing that. We know that it's going to happen. Okay. Now, on the way over the river and through the hills to grandmother's house, you go, you got a busted taillight 
and are, you know, you, you got caught, you know, driving 10 miles over the speed limit or, you know, whatever your reason for being pulled over, they're no longer going to walk up and look and see if you're wearing your seat belts. Now they're going to look in there and they're going to what, ask you if you, everybody in the car is a part of your immediate family. Are they going to require IDs from the people in your back? So what, what if you do have somebody in your car with you over the holidays that is not a member of your immediate family? And when the, when the officer walks up to the car, you're not wearing your masks. Well, in certain communities around this country, there are fines associated, including here, uh, Corona Group and Fuhrer Cooper has been applauding one of our counties just to the west of uh, uh, Wake County here in the Raleigh, um, in Raleigh, North Carolina, it's where Greensboro is, and applauding their mayor for instituting very severe fines and penalties for non-mask compliance in all manner of, uh, of places. So, um, uh, how is this constitutional? Like how, how, how well, the, the thought of it, I, you know, Steve, I don't, I don't think I told you this, but where I lived in Florida, you know, Florida is the retirement capital of the world. I think mm-hmm. about 29% of the population is 65 or over. Okay. So, right. and we lived in a retirement community. We didn't know it was a retirement community before we moved in, but every other house is basically a retiree. So, you know, you go out grocery shopping and every other person is, is a retiree or of the retiree age. And so there was a, you know, a hypersensitivity in the area to COVID-19. And so the city council, or I think it was the city council issued early on a non-compliance for not wearing your mask. There would be a $250 fine in the mm-hmm. area. Okay. I had to go in and uh, I, I had to go to Publix to go get uh, trash bags, I think. I think we ran out of trash bags. And I ran in to get it. I had my mask in the car because I'm trying to be sensitive to these elderly people, right? Not because of me. I was trying to, but I left my mask in the car, ran in, came back. I, I was in Publix for two minutes, had grabbed my trash bags. I was checking out. And in that, that process, a retiree had gone to customer service and they were talking to them and pointing me out that I wasn't wearing a mask and asking them to call the police so that I would get fined. Yeah. And the guy, the guy checking me out kind of looked over his shoulder and rolled his eyes. You know, I paid quickly and ran out the door back to my car. Completely innocent mistake. I was going to wear a mask. I didn't want to, but I, because there's a lot of retirees and they get really upset. And I was like, okay, I'll respect that. That's fine but I forgot. And then here was, here was somebody at customer service demanding that I get fined um, for an innocent mistake and uh, really an unconstitutional provision that had been set forth by the local legislature. It was stupid. So stupid. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I don't, I don't, um, uh, I don't see how once these things start hitting the courts, I mean, particularly, I mean, come on, um, telling us how many people we can have in our homes, what family members we can't have in our homes, uh, that we have to wear a mask inside our homes. Remember, and let's, let's just be perfectly clear here. Uh, there's a lot of people out there. I get negative comments about the, the phrase, the slippery slope all the time. I mean, there's, there's a whole, you know, uh, thought process that, you know, that argues against, um, the concept of the slippery slope. But back in March, the very, very, very first lockdown. I remember. I remember. I said those words so many times. Slippery slope. You did. Slippery slope. 
slippery slope. We're going down that slope. I even at one point talked about, you know, it being a, you know, uh, greased, um, you know, <laughs> bacon fat, slippery slope uh, that was, you know, greased bacon, uh, bacon fat on, uh, on ice, you know, on a steep hill. And, <laughs> and, and that's how slippery this was. And, you know, there's always those that come on there and they jump all up in your, you know, what for, um, for that particular uh, logical fallacy, uh, as some of them would refer to it. But at the end of the day, or should we say the end of the day, at the end of this freaking year, uh, eight, nine months later, man, here, what are they doing? They are greasing up that slope yet again. I mean, it's like they've got a, they've got a, they've got a, you know, a, chicken fat hose gun that they're greasing that slope <laughs> right, right now. That's and, and it's about. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's awful. And, and that's where we're headed. And, and as somebody said, you know, in commenting on one of my posts this morning, um, that this is uh, a slippery slope heading right towards the mandatory vaccine. Here we go. You know, it's just, it's been, it's been prepared all the way. I know. And you know what, going back to my trip and cancellation, Qantas airlines, the CEO of Qantas airlines, which is, is, National Airlines out of out of Australia, they announced on Monday or over the weekend that if you want to fly in and out of Australia on Qantas, you have to have a vaccine. They were going to require um, yeah. official doctor's notification that you have the virus, which yeah. you know it's How going to come here, which means that my my desire to be a humanitarian and help people out is now all going to be um, couched with I have to get the, the vaccine. Well, I don't want to get the vaccine. Okay. A, you don't want to get it. And B, let's say if you do, you know, because a lot of us are going to make choices about this vaccine just based on the fact that we have to continue to live and pay our bills and put food on our family's table. I, I get that. I get yeah, that. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of us that are going to be forced into that situation. I mean, for me personally, my children are grown and they're out of the house. Um, they're, you know, they have... They have their own career set right now in the directions that they're going. They, they technically don't need me to put food on their table any longer. All right. But am I going to get to do that, which I love, which is being on stage if I don't take the vaccine. And then for you, you're not going to be able to bring, you know, humanitarian relief to Kurdistan or anywhere else in the world because you're not going to be allowed to get on an airplane and even to just do what you do to bring that relief unless you take the vaccine. But there's another question. Well, how long are they going to suspend you from being able to travel when you're not even going to be able to get it because they're going to start the allocation of the vaccine, obviously, to the most at-risk populations first. Uh, there, I mean, let's just, you know, let's be perfectly honest. They're not going to suddenly have seven, eight billion vials of this vaccine and have it ready to distribute and poke in people's arms, uh, you know, in the next two weeks. It's not <laughs> going to happen. They don't have enough dry ice to keep it cold enough. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> distribute it. 70 below. Um, yeah, some obscene uh, number. That's 70 below Celsius. So it's crazy. You know, yeah, it's, it's insane. You know, going back real quick, going back to the, and I know we jumped back and forth between the two posts that, um, that you had, uh, had posted today, but the first one and the Nordic country and the disparity, uh, you know, it was interesting. I was looking at a, po at a, at a post from one of, the, one of our followers, John Carson. He said, caution, talk like this will get you labeled as a domestic terrorist, um, you know, questioning uh, Sweden. 
and uh, and supporting what my them. response was. So be it. <laughs> so be you it. Know, I, First Amendment. You know, if, if I if I become a political prisoner for using my voice in either illustrating, highlighting, um, uh, going against the narrative in any way, shape, or form, I don't care even if I make a mistake, Scott. Because I, you know, look, let's let's just be perfectly honest. If you spend as much time writing as I spend writing, and if you have written you know, just this year alone, I've written hundreds of thousands of words that have ended up in, you know, on the internets and, you know, in social media, hundreds of thousands of words. I've written, you know, book length amount of words just this year. And, and there, and as I say, the internet doesn't forget. So of all of this information that I've put out there, and I've had to retract a couple things. And when I've made a couple mistakes, I've gone back and, okay, all right, I didn't get this fact right. Or, you know, oh, oops, I, I put the decimal point in the wrong place. You can't, you can't have that volume of output. I don't care who you are. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how diligent you are. I don't care how many fact checkers you have behind you. And I have none, you know, I, I, have, I don't have an ombudsman looking over my shoulder. Like, uh, you know, and, and yet... Uh, the New York Post, I mean, I'm sorry, the New York, New York Times, uh, Washington Post, uh, all of these other great news agencies have their ombudsmans, ombudsmans, uh, ombudsman, <laughs> ombudsman. ombudsman. Mm-hmm. They, they have those looking over their shoulders, um, ostensibly for uh, the purpose of making sure of the accuracy of their content, of everything they put out there, even supposedly in the content of their editorial and opinion pieces. Um, but we know that that's not true. We know that they have gone way beyond caring about whether they get it right to actually manufacturing and creating stories and news that don't, that don't exist. So we know that that's taking place. Well, I don't have that person or that, that crew or that staff looking over my shoulder. So I'm going to, I'm going to make a mistake on occasion and it's just going to happen. But having said that, even if I make a mistake, I don't deserve to have my voice silenced. I don't, deserve to be labeled a political terrorist or um, a domestic terrorist. And that is because we have a first amendment, which gives us the right to say whatever the hell we want to say. Um, and, you know, and we know that there's, there are legitimate limitations to that. We know that, you know, the, the screaming fire in a theater, but see, that's not, that's not speech against the, even screaming fire in a crowded movie theater. That's not political speech. No, it's not. That's against the rules of the private business, the theater, you know, where you're sitting. And if you scream fire in a crowded theater and there wasn't a fire, then you deserve to be prosecuted for causing a panic and possibly, you know, harming people because people do get trampled to death in panic situations and crowded uh, situations. And so that's not even that's not even a first amendment issue i I hate that when they bring up the fire in the crowded theater uh as a first amendment issue because it's not speech against uh the government it's not political speech at all it's not speech in the um the the you know the the public square uh so that's you know what i what what you want to limit in your property in your home and i get it and then we get, we talk about the limitations on uh that are the rights that facebook twitter and other social media big tech platforms have because they own it they have the right to control the content and they do uh to a certain extent but having said that um when they arbitrarily 
apply their, you know. Uh, and it is entirely arbitrary. It's entirely it, it, arbitrary. But when they can, we, and, and it is, and when they, when they do in fact, uh, arbitrarily apply their standards, then, you know, they're crossing into some other legal territory and, and opening themselves up to lawsuits, which I hope these class action lawsuits begin to fall like crazy. Now I saw, um, isn't, uh, Candace Owen is putting together yes. class action yep. against yep. Twitter. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And so, you know, uh, going back to going back to again, uh, yeah. Going back to the throttling and the silencing of voices, I was actually looking at some metrics today on our on the back end of Facebook, and we are anywhere between 27 to 40 percent down in the past 28 days on engagements from the people that follow us, from our followers. And uh, that is not because you have a lack of volume of content or that you just suddenly hit a, hit a stream of suckiness in your output um, that is entirely arbitrary, or actually I think it is, I think it's intentional, their action yeah. against you and our numbers bear that out. We are, according to Facebook's metrics, we are way down in people engaging us. Well, yeah. the last 28 days, and what did, it, what did it include? It included the lead up into a, a big election and they wanted to silence your voice or limit your voice. And they did that and the numbers bear that out according to Facebook. Yeah. Was it just a, a day or two? I did a, um, I did a post, which was what, you know, somewhat negative towards Sydney Powell. I mean, I didn't say anything negative to her. It was, it was the story about, you know, her and Juliana, Giuliani, Giuliani having their little breakup um, and, and distancing themselves from each other yeah. Yeah. or them distancing Powell from the Trump legal team on this thing. And, you know, and I just, I just, I, I, I kind of just a little short snarky, you know, you know, stick a fork in them. They're done kind of post like that. It wasn't anything negative towards Powell or negative towards Giuliani. It wasn't yeah. anything really at all, but it had those key words in there. It obviously had Sidney Powell's name in the article, had, had Giuliani's name in the article, had the election controversy or the electoral challenges in the article. I think as of today, there's only been like 70 reactions to that post. And, and Scott, that's just impossible. It's, it's, it's fun. It's absolutely impossible unless they took, you know, uh, it's like they took a fire hose or a fire hydrant and they condensed it down to a syringe. You have to be yeah. for the output. That's you have to be so it. intentional about that. Right, right. No, they, they've choked. They've choked it off uh, in terms of the number of people that can see it because just I don't, I don't even have to look at the uh, analytics having having. Uh, been as active as I have been in Facebook for as many years as I have been there now in, in you know, daily basis. I, I get caught by surprise very rarely. Very, very, very rarely do I post something that I don't already know what the reaction level is going to be just because of the subject nature itself. Okay? Yeah. yeah. I know before I put it out there, whether it's going to be, you know, 700 likes or you know, 2000 or, or whatever. I, I, I basically know in advance, yeah. I get, I get surprised every once in a while, but where I get surprised is I get surprised where they go more viral. It's like, I'll write something that I was kind of like, you know, just did, you know, that I had a fight, you know, momentary, you know, five second moment of inspiration, jotted all my thoughts down in five minutes, did a quick proofread, posted it, walked away from it, not really expecting anything from it. And all of a sudden, bam, the thing went everywhere. You know, it was being shared thousands yep. of times, whatever. Those are the only ones that surprise me when that happens. Um, but when I put something out there uh, talking about, if I had posted that post um, 
before the election, if let's just say that uh, pre-election, Sidney Powell and Giuliani were both on Trump's legal team and they had had some sort of falling you know, out, it, it would have, it would have within two hours had, you know, five to 700 reactions and then it would have petered out from yep. there. You know, I don't yep. know whether it would have hit a thousand or not, but, uh, <laughs> but that's what that post should have got. And, and as I said here, two days later, it's only up to 70. It's ridiculous. And even somebody even, uh, I just read somebody even commented my, you know, um, the TPC followers are themselves noticing the, uh, the throttling that's happening. Yeah. I think you said that, that, Hey, I hadn't, I hadn't heard or seen anything for me for a couple of weeks and I thought I'd come around again. Yeah. Well, somebody I, I was on, that. Right. But somebody on that Sydney Powell post even posted, just commented today and said, wow, uh, man, you can really tell that your numbers are way, way, way down. And, uh, yeah. And so it, it's, it's apparent and we, and, and we moan and complain and we bitch about that, um, on all these podcasts, but I think it's, it's worth continuing to talk about. It's content. It's worth continuing to put in front of everybody's faces because they have to understand that part of the reason why I'm doing this road trip. And I'm now, you know, this is a segue. I didn't, I didn't plan on this segue, but it's, it, it was a convenient part because one of the things that I wanted to do, and this is the, the feedback that I'm getting from all over the country right now is how do we continue building this network, staying in touch with one another once they can, they start turning the light switches off on us because that's exactly what's going to happen. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We're, we're all running to parlor right now, but you know, parlors it's, it's, uh, it's got its growing pains and, <laughs> and it's, it's clunky and it's only a thousand characters and it's not, uh, anywhere near the functionality of Facebook. Um, uh, so we're over on me, we as well. And it's still kind of, I, I, and a part of, part of the clumsiness of these platforms is just me because I just don't, you know, old uh, dog not, uh, it's not all you there. There's a, no. there's a clumsy factor there because they are new and they haven't, uh, they can't handle the bandwidth right now and they weren't prepared for yeah. this. So that's, and, and so, yeah, so there, there, there is that, but I'm, I'm, I'm also, um, uh, have been very, very comfortable in my own little environment. So uh, getting out of that uh, technology environment and moving over and, and learning how all of them are different from one another, how to navigate and how to, you know, uh, successfully communicate. You actually have to develop a new style for each platform because they're, they're the psychologies are even on the different platforms are different. And oh, it's you, true. Uh, it is fun fundamentally true. Yep. Right. And I, and I, and I've, I've become comfortable over on the, in the, the Facebook world, but, um, they're for all intents and purposes, they're, 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 they're shunning, they're shooing us away. They're, they're, you know, they haven't, they haven't flipped the switch, you know, yet I'm still on my two strikes right now. And I don't even know if there's a, a time limit on my two strikes. I don't know if one falls off in a, in 30 days. And oh yeah. The next one falls <laughs> I don't yeah. even know. I don't, I don't even know. I, I mean, I just, I just know that I, they, I've been told if I, if I, screw up one more time that I'm out of there. And then they don't even tell me for how long I'm out of there. I'm out, I'm out of there for 30 days or I'm out of there permanently. So the bottom line for everybody that's watching this, that's reading this, that's listening to this, um, is that we are on multiple other platforms. You right now we're still on YouTube. Uh, we're going to be on, uh, uh, we're on parlor. We're on me. We, um, uh, we have of course our own website, blog site, the pragmatic constitutionalist.com. Uh, so, so we're out there and we will be able to be found by the 35,000 Facebook followers if we disappear from there. But, um, but there's no intention of us leaving there. I intend on fighting the good fight for as long as I can in that environment. Um, um, 
and for, for a lot of reasons. But uh, ironically, as you were pointing out earlier, our analytics are that, that our daily and per post numbers are just a fraction of what they were even a month ago. And those were a fraction of what they were four years ago um, oh, because of, because of their, their, their process of, of, uh, uh, well, there's, there's normal processes that Facebook have throttled everybody. And that, that's, re, you know, that's regardless of a political ideology because they're trying to make money. They're trying to get us to spend money, even to talk to our own, you know, followers. Yeah. So, so they only, they only allow under normal circumstances, one to 3% of your pages followers to see what your output is anyway, just under normal circumstances, unless that follower just has a habit of going to see you every day. They're, you know, they're not typically going to see everything that you put out there. And, and that, and that is to encourage or, you know, induce the, the, um, the page owners and admins like myself to go in and buy ads just to even get to our own followers. So, so that, there's that's that. If you, that's if you have access to your ad account. Um, right. Which we don't right now. <laughs> <laughs> after not violating a single, a single uh, identifiable clause or rule or principle of Facebook. Yeah. So going, going back to going back to the reason for the road trip and, and this was stated from day one of my uh, concept for why I'm doing this was to get out there and establish old school, old world, face-to-face networking, and let's get in, let's get partnerships with other Liberty groups across the country. You know, we don't have to see eye to eye on every single thing. Let me tell you something. If we're 90%, you're my friend, you're my brother, you know, you're, you're my, you know, uh, uh, you're my band of brothers is is what you are. (laughs) And, and, uh, it, it doesn't, you know, Look, I, I I don't have any I don't have any common ground with the uh, socialist libertarian um, you know uh, uh, <laughs> uh, caucus of the libertarian party because you know, that makes no sense whatsoever. But um, but even though I no longer have an LP or an L on my voter registration card and I'm unaffiliated now, uh, that doesn't mean that we aren't still, you know, brothers or sisters in this, you know, fight for um, our freedoms and, and we better line up here quickly uh, because we're, we're about to be uh, in a greater struggle than we've ever been in any of our lifetime. If you're on this planet right this minute and you grew up in the United States, so unless you, and we know, Scott and I know, gosh, between us, I don't know, we probably know dozens of, um, uh, Soviet bloc citizens who have uh, managed to uh, yeah. get out and, and yeah. uh, immigrate here into the United States. Yeah. And so um, some of them were very close to, and, and, and those citizens know what it was like. But if we grew up here, uh, we, will, we have never experienced the fight uh, that we're about to enter uh, here in the coming uh, months. And, and, it, and it's, it's, it's like um, uh, it's happening with such you know, incredible speed right now the that slippery slope is i mean it, it is just it's absolutely amazing uh, how fast uh covid unleashed the um the openness of the the, the neo-marxists and and hardcore uh, uh left uh, left-wing socialists that have been working you know for a long time laying the groundwork for what we're seeing today yeah. but uh perfect man, opportunity it, perfect yeah, opportunity they, 
opportunity for them. You know, you're talking about freedoms and liberty and all of that stuff. I, uh, the most recent post you had about uh, Corona Gruppenfuhrer uh, <laughs> in North Carolina. David Phillips, one of our followers, said, and I quote, or the right of the people peacefully, peaceably to assemble. Tell Roy Pooper we don't have to listen to him. We have rights protected by the law of the land. Yeah, and this is why I'm, call- this is why I'm calling in that very post for demonstrable open. Um, but you know, we, we need, we need to show, uh, non-compliance. We need to show demonstrations against these. I don't, I don't mind if we're chanting. I don't mind if we're carrying placards. I don't care if our, if I, I that's why I've always called it the mask of servitude and pull that, thing, pull that thing down, man. You know, if, until they, you know, even if you've got, um, even if you got one of those, you know, get neck gaiters on, wear that neck gaiter into the store until they tell you to put it up. You'll be surprised how often they won't say a word to you. They really won't say much to you if you're carrying a sidearm, by the way, if you're open carrying, they generally don't say a word to you, but because of, um, the, the real intense nature of the most recent calls for masking up, it is, um, uh, it's probably a good idea if you need basic necessities of life to have one in your pocket. You know what I mean? And, and oh, you know, look, I, yeah, yeah. I, I got my hair Some, cut today. I'm not even allowed to do that. I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's the, it's not only part of the, you know, the, the Corona group and Fuhrer's uh, uh, executive order that, you know, all hairstylists and barbershops and such have to, you know, not only the, the clients, but also the, you know, the um, stylists have to be masked. But it's the, you know, it's the policy of the private um, enterprise. So I'm going to follow the policy of the private enterprise. At the same time, my hairstylist leans over to me and says, by the way, if you want to not uh, do this you know, shit here, we can, you know, I can always just come over and cut your hair at your place or whatever, you know, so yeah, that, that would be, that would be easy enough Very because she's, not, she's not into it in, either. Um, she had, she had plenty of, uh, she, she dropped plenty of F-bombs today about this whole situation. <laughs> Well, it's, it's, dest- it's destroying our economy. It's destroying people's livelihood. Um, and you and I know that all too well. Um, I even just saw here, Chris, you, you responded to Chris Hubner, one of our followers. I just got fired for not wearing a mask in California. And he explained what had happened, that he was asked, yeah. asked to, to wear a mask when he's going to a different part of his building. And uh, he, he didn't. Um, and he was, I guess he had three exemptions per California. Right. And, uh, right. Yeah. Per the, per the, per the code and the, and the specific exemptions for not wearing a mask, he had those. And then when he was forced to demonstrate that he doesn't have to by, you know, a HIPAA, HIPAA. I mean, HIPAA laws, you can't, you right, can't right. touch that. So, so his boss gave him his uh, final check paycheck and, and Chris um, has been a, follower for years yeah 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 been around forever so uh we are our condolences and and but that's what but but look you know i said i said earlier i don't mind being a political prisoner for you know for speech if if i get you know if i get run run in for quote unquote domestic terrorism from the words that come out of my mouth i will have no problems 
proudly being a political prisoner for something that I didn't do. Um, because that's, a, that's a, that's a, a battle in and of itself that needs to be fought and, and we'll fight it publicly in every way we can. But for somebody like Chris, and he's just, he's one example of just thousands upon thousands upon thousands that are happening out there right now is they're not going to prison yet. They're not going to jail. They're not being locked up. They're not being fined, but it's worse. They're, it's worse than a fine because they, he was handed his last paycheck. That implies there won't be one next week, next month. Now what? And, Right. And now what? Well, that's bigger than a fine. And, um, and finding, you know, uh, maybe finding jobs in California are going to be a little bit easier with, a, with the mass exodus of people from the state leaving the state. Uh, but that there, there, there still is the problem of finding work during this uh, coronavirus thing right now that, uh, and I don't know what Chris's specialization is or what, what his industry is, but uh, um, so I don't know if it's a, if it's something that's, wide open or something that's narrow, narrow and, and doesn't have many opportunities. But the point being is, is that nobody, nobody should be losing their jobs over this thing right now. And uh, particularly somebody who, who has this, the medical exemptions and uh, you know, and <laughs> has the medical exemptions and also has the privacy rights built in with the, those. So, yeah. You know, I guess this, this is something that I, I've come back to and I've talked to with my wife and others and my friends. This is the second go around now with this mask mandate that they've, that so many have done in the, in the nation before. And my question is this, if it worked before, why are we doing it? If it didn't work before, yeah, why are we doing it? <laughs> I mean, either way, why are we doing it? Whether it did or didn't okay, work. I'm, I'm not, yeah, and I'm not I'm not going to get into the the, the technical details of, of this because there's just no there's no sense in spending as much time on this because everybody knows every argument from every side already. It's just like okay, you know, the mask debate is the new abortion debate. You're 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 on one side or the other, and that's it. But more importantly, we know every argument on every side. We know every argument from the pro-choice crowd. We know every argument from the pro-life crowd and we know every nuance in between, you know, we know the exemption uh, ideas from the, you know, the, 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 the pro pro-life people that are okay with, you know, and raper incest or blah, 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 blah. And then we know, um, uh, uh, we, well, that's just it. We know every single argument. Okay. At this point, eight months into this, we're getting to the point where we know every argument for and against the mask and we, we picked our side. And so we're not going to win a debate on either side. I'm just going to tell you here and now they don't work. Now, unless you're using some sort of, you know, high grade surgical mask that's used specifically for, um, you know, um, not infecting a patient that's gutted open and cut up, you know, their heart laying out, you know, in, in, in a surgeon's hands, uh, then, then you're not wearing the right mask. These little, you know, neck gaiters like I wear when I have to get my, you know, haircut or, you know, I have to go to a government, I have, you know, got to go to the post office. All right. Well, I can't, I can't go mail out one of our t-shirts unless I, you know, wear a mask. Right. So, so these little net gaiters, they're completely, totally worthless in terms of protecting me. So anybody who thinks that it's protecting themselves, uh, you know, unless you're wearing a hazmat suit, you are not protected from this virus. And the studies 
are they're implicit about this. You are absolutely wasting your time if you think you're protecting yourself. Now, we know the argument about the mitigation of, you know, well, if you're hawking up, you know, snot balls and, 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 you know, loogies, uh, and you're coughing and you're sneezing and you're wheezing and you're, you know, doing that, well then just don't go in public because it is study after study after study. They're coming from the military. They're coming from universities. They're coming from, um, from elementary school studies from all over the, they're, they're, they're just, they're, they're, filing out. I mean, there's libraries worth of studies coming out right now that the asymptomatic people that are carrying the, the uh, COVID-19 virus, but they're asymptomatic, they're not spreading it over and over and over and over these studies. are so, so if you're sick, stay home. If you're sick, go lock yourself in your bedroom. If grandma's in the other room, you know, and, and stay on the other side of the house from her. And, and, and if, if you're showing those symptoms, don't go into public, but we don't lock down and force behavior modifications on the 99.74% across all age groups that are going to survive this, even if they catch it. And that's if they catch it. Because some people just don't get viruses. They just, they, their body fights off certain things. And, and so we know that the number of, it's, it's much higher. It's, it's 99 plus, 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 plus percentile of the people that catch this virus are not going to die from this virus. But we are forcing behavior modification on that number um, because of the very, very, very small fractional at-risk populations. But let's protect them. And let's let the rest of us get on with our lives. And that's, that needs to be the, that needs to be not just the national policy, but the international policy. And, you know, and for God's sakes, if we, you know, as we reported on here just a month ago, uh, certainly last month, October sometime when the, the WHO itself said, stop it, stop the lockdowns, you know, this is enough no, of it's this. actually hurting. It's actually hurting us. More harm than good. They finally said what we said back in March was you can't let the cure be worse than the disease. And even the WHO has has looked at all of the analytics worldwide, all of the data worldwide, the starvation, the poverty, the, um, the other illnesses that have been unattended to as people are dying from things they shouldn't be dying from because of COVID. But of yep. course, now they're being caused as COVID, just like the guy who just recently fell off a 10-foot ladder, cracked his head wide open, and it was, it was coded as a, um, a COVID death because he had, he tested positive. So, yeah, he tested positive, but it was the, it was the crack on his head falling off of a 10-foot ladder that killed him. But he tested positive, COVID death. And that's where we're at. God help us all. God mm. help us all. Yeah. So anyway. Um, all right. Well, I think this yeah, is so, a good oh, time oh, for oh, Segway. Wait, no? Well, no, let me, uh, so I, I met with um, I met with Jeffrey Amendola last night from the Amendola Cigar Family. I'm waiting and, to hear this. This is new. Uh, yeah, so uh, you you haven't even heard about this yet. No. So uh, he and I met uh, last night at the uh, super secret meat uh, locker uh, at the, the famous uh, Angus Barn here in Raleigh. It's the only place in town where you can actually have a big old stogie hanging out and while you're cutting your steak. It's awesome. I mean, you can you can you can uh, eat and smoke big cigars at the same time. And um, the 
upshot is, is that we're looking at uh, coming into a sponsorship endorsement type arrangement uh, with the Amandola Family Cigars, and uh, we'll be actually. This is the this is this is the part I'm most excited about. We will be selecting and creating our own TPC blend, which will be um, uh, built for us and ruled for us by the uh, the Amandola uh, family cigar manufacturers, which are down in uh, Nicaragua now. He's moved uh, he's moved the, from Honduras. And, and just a brief background: uh, um, Jeffrey and I have been friends for years, and he uh, was uh, he was in law enforcement here uh, and. He was a hobbyist a cigar guy, you know, roller, and, and he kind of really wanted to get into the cigar, not business, but just as a hobby. He wanted to know everything about it and wanted to know how to roll his own cigars and create his own blends and just for fun. And so he was buying because he knew some, um, uh, Jeffrey's a good Italian guy, and he knew a bunch of his you know, his uh, homies up in uh, uh, Brooklyn or the Bronx, somewhere up there in New York, and that have a, have a, um, uh, cigar factory up there. And so he would buy the tobaccos from them and from whatever they were getting and wherever they were procuring them from anywhere in the world, he would bring those uh, back down here to Durham, North Carolina, and he would create his own you know, cigars out of, out of their tobaccos of their choices. And so he started his own little uh, private label called Bull City Cigars, you know, Durham being the Bull City. Yeah. And uh, everything started going well. Uh, he was getting frustrated in law enforcement. He decided, being a good libertarian that he is, and he decided to bail out of uh, law enforcement altogether and throw himself, you know, uh, lock, stock, and barrel and, you know, sink or swim into the cigar business. Uh, started doing very well. Um, changed the name of the business here just uh, two or three, four years ago uh, from the Bull City Cigars because he, you know, that was kind of, you know, that was a singular identity just for that community. And so he wanted to brand it out. So he changed it to the Amandola, Amandola brand, his, his name, and started going crazy, started growing, uh, had some great, uh, had some great initial results, some really, really strong reviews with some of his early cigars. Uh, but he was in a manufacturing situation down in Honduras, which was not as um, stable as it should be. Let's say, you know, yeah. He, oh, yeah. he, he could tell that on occasion they weren't rolling his blend. If you know what I mean, you know, you, you get, you know, you get box after box after box after box and it's all yours. It's what you, you know, you created. And then all of a sudden you get some that's not your blend and you know it. And so it wasn't as stable. So he, he finally just in the last year has moved uh, his entire operation to, uh, um, uh, Nicaragua and uh, it's all of his blends are manufactured, um, uh, in the, I believe in the AJ Fernandez, uh, uh, manufacturing nice. facility. So it's nice. pretty you know, high level, high quality, high consistency, and, uh, much, much, much better, um, access to, uh, quality, uh, tobacco leaves, um, selves. And, uh, as a result, so we're going to have our own line of so are, TC yeah. cigars. For those yeah. of that persuasion, yeah, I knew you were be often about that. Mm -hmm. So we're going to have our own branded uh, TPC cigar uh, manufactured for us by the Amandola family, and um, so news about that will be coming. Lots of things are on. You know, they're they're uh, the cigar business is booming right now. People like me who you know have been out of work for eight months. It's been the only thing I've been spending money on is my cigar habit because you know I went from smoking anywhere from two to five a week before COVID to you know, two to five a day. Seriously, I'm not joking, <laughs> you know, but it helps you write. I'm telling you, 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 you can, you can write really well when you can sit around on the back porch with a stick and yeah. bang out uh, a rant 
It's beautiful. Yeah, it is. It is a. Uh, it does seem to be a, a good writer stimulus. It, it does. It, it's. It puts you in a very contemplative uh, mode, and you're able to s- stop, pause, think, and be stimulated by you know that thing that mm. you know high quality, uh, premium hand rolled uh, cigars brings to you know to you. I know a lot of people don't understand that, don't like it. They think all tobacco is is vile and evil and horrible, and they relate it all to you know cigarettes and you know people spitting out chewing tobacco and skull and you know that sort of thing but uh there's it's it's a completely different world when you get into the the premium cigar world it's just not the same and it's not nearly as dangerous either no it's not there you go there you go well that's great news man i'm thank you for sharing that thank you for following through with uh with jeff and i'm excited i'm excited to hear that and share that with our with our followers and our our community so here we are we're going to get on the road too. So I don't know how soon it's going to be before you get this particular podcast posted, but we're going to be in uh, Pensacola. Um, I've got, I've, I've been busy all morning, but I'm about to dive into my email, my email box uh, and my, my private message boxes are full yet again from people offering to either host sponsor or the location. We still haven't nailed down the location for next week, but I mean, we're one week away from Pensacola. I'm going to be there and we're going to have a meeting and, and we're going to have a meeting. If we stand out on the corner in, you know, Ibor with all, you know, in front of a cigar shop. And Wait, not in Pensacola. We, you mean, you mean in Tampa? I'm sorry, Tampa. I said, did I say Pensacola? Sorry. It's yes. Tampa. Oh, yeah, Tampa. Well, yeah, and just so you know, Ibor. Not Ibor. It's Ibor. Ibor, 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 Igor, whatever. No, no, it's yeah. Ibor. And my, and my great-grandparents were some of the founders of that city, just so you know. Oh, okay. Well, so all right. I stand corrected appropriately. So. <laughs> um, no, and I, I do. And I, I mispronounce that every single time. And, and now that my daughter lives there, she, she corrects me too because I still say it wrong. Um, I'll, I'll, try and, I'll try and get it. It's like saying, you know, Kamala Harris or Kamala, I, I'm never going to get that one right either. You know, even after she's been our president for, you know, 16 years, I'm still not going to have it right. But, um, Lord help that's, us again. that's another story. But the, um, yeah, so, so Tampa, yes, one week from today, even if we're standing on a corner in Ibor, Ibor City, right? e. Ibor City, jeez, you just said it to me. Ibor. If it wasn't spelled with a Y, Scott, I wouldn't have any problem. E. Huh? It's E. I know, but it's spelled with a Y. I know. So you pronounce so it E-bor. E. E. Okay. E-bor. It's spelled with a Y. Y-bor. So, so it could be, yeah. Okay. It's E-bor. Y-bor. All right. So anyway, so I'm going to be standing on a corner if we don't get an actual place, but we're going to be there and it'll be announced and it'll be announced probably within the next 24 hours, exactly either what venue we're going to be in or what corner I'm going to be standing on, but we're going to have an event in Tampa because that's been one of the best responses we've had. It's just early on. So everyone's scrambling right now to make this thing happen. Lots of good people down there. Yeah. yeah, And then, and then, um, then the dominoes fall very quickly after that. It's up to Pensacola. It's up to Louisiana. It's over to Texas. It looks like we're gonna have three different meetings in Texas, uh, up to Oklahoma, Tulsa, Oklahoma city, Kansas city, uh, from there up to the uh, Minneapolis, um, probably going to be meeting because of the current COVID lockdown situations in Minneapolis. We're probably going to be meeting right across the state line and, uh, you know, uh, in Wisconsin. So it'll be yeah. right across. Yeah. The, the, actually, the demilitarized the zone uh, line is really what it's turned into between Minnesota and Wisconsin. Chaz. Now. <laughs> Chaz. Yeah, 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 exactly. And then, um, uh, then, 
uh, on from there to probably Milwaukee, uh, northwestern Indiana, a specific location also yet to be determined, um, then into Ohio, and um, uh, man, unbelievable response in Ohio, and, and I didn't, if I had known that we were going to have the kind of response we had from Ohio, I would have scheduled a couple of extra days or given myself a little bit more time. By the time we got to that part of the trip, though, it's like one night, you know, one night stands. Bam, 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 bam. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so uh, I only allocated two days for Ohio, and now I'm regretting that. We could have easily done three or four. But we'll pick those um, communities back up when I, when I go to the Northeast um, uh, after the first of the year. So we'll swing up, you know, through that direction, through Ohio on our way up to um, uh, okay. Pennsylvania and, and other territories up there. So uh, after, after Ohio, we're down to uh, Nashville for a few days, uh, then Chattanooga, and then going to close it up uh, in between Christmas and New Year. So on uh, December 30th, I think we're doing Charlotte and that'll be, my last stop. Okay. And everybody keeps asking, why are, why am I not doing more in North Carolina? I think I'm just going to do my own North Carolina run actually. Um, after this is maybe be part of the, you know, right after the first of the year, because we're going to, we're going to do, you know, something obviously here in Raleigh and then there's uh, communities all over the state. I mean, because I'm from here, um, we have more followers out of North Carolina than any other state uh, in the country. But um, uh, the numbers that have responded in this, you know, this first round here really came from the Charlotte area. So that I went on ahead and included a stop. That makes sense. That makes sense. Well, everybody just pay attention to uh, the next 24, 48 hours. We're going to be releasing everything and uh, letting you know what's going on. I'll, I'll work on knocking this podcast, or excuse me, this our podcast yeah. out tonight and getting it posted. And uh, so people can start downloading and, and digesting all this content. And I'll wear a hat during the next uh, podcast so it's not sitting in my eyes anymore. Okay, it's cute. You're cute. <laughs> I can see you. It's all right, man. It's all right. Anything else? Any other thoughts? Where we go? Uh, nothing, nothing that uh, wouldn't uh, bore everyone to tears. Uh, the only thing I can say is that I did uh, decide to officially kick off the holiday season today. And I spiked my coffee with rum. So there we go. Nice. Nice. Well, I haven't. I just have a green tea. So uh, enjoy your rum filled coffee. And uh, yeah, and I look forward to hearing more about Amendola in the future. And everyone that's listening and watching, thank you all for listening to the TPC podcast. We're the TPC podcast crew. And be well, be safe, and uh, continue to fight for our liberty. Yeah, and I can't wait to see everybody out there on the road for the next month. I'm leaving Friday, and I'll be gone for over a month. So uh, I've laid out the chart and hope that as many of you can come out and see us as uh, possible. All right, guys. Take care. 